0: church in berkeley 2345 channing way it's a kpfa benefit wheelchair accessible tickets at brownpapertickets.com and our lovely local bookshops april 28th abigail thomas who says we are made out of stars and dinosaurs and grass
1: and you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3.30. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover with Jovelin Richards.
0: Welcome to Cover to Cover, open book, Javelin's Bistro. It's good to be back here at the station, and it's also uh, wonderful to be able to bring you uh, a show today that is in its fourth year celebrating at the Himalayan Film Festival. I want you to take down the number because my guests today have been gracious enough to offer four season passes to the festival, so you definitely want to be a part of that. What we're going to do today is the first part of it, we're going to talk about the festivals and the, the Festival And the film that will be uh, put out there, my guests, is Nisha Thapa and uh, Amisha Hada, And so they're going to talk about each film that's presented. And this was a very beautiful occasion. Um, the first time I attended, the f- it was food. It was the movies, the the guests, and also the audience. It was so warm, and, and everyone was very generous and um uh, it was a real human connection there, so it's certainly something that you would want to be a part of. So, again, that's going to be four season passes. Well, we're going to give away. You will call, get the pass. We'll take your name and information and put your name down at the door. The festival is going to happen on May 13th and May 14th. Uh, the number to call here at the station is 510-848-4425. So the first half, we're going to talk about the festival. The second half, Nisha, uh, there's a documentary coming out about her life after the earthquake. Last April 25th, uh, Nepal had an earthquake. She quit her job, uh, and Amisha quit her job as well, and they went there and stayed for months. At some point in that journey, Nisha realized that she had an earthquake happening in her as well. So she's uh, the documentary moves us through that spiritual journey, and also there's a book also that will have some of the pictures and some of her writings uh, about her uh, journey internal earthquake happening and somehow uh, what she is saying in this documentary and through her through the book is that the earth is reflective of what is happening inside of our lives as human beings and how we care or not care for the earth and it is erupting flooding crying singing things that she went through so we'll take that journey with her so i want to welcome my guest amisha are you there
2: I am.
1: Thank you, Javelin.
0: You're welcome. Nisha, hi. Welcome. Thank you so much. Welcome. So the films, we're going to give away four passes. Tell us about the Himalayan Film Festival and how this came about and what films will be there. Amisha, if you could answer that, what films will we be seeing this year at the festival?
2: Sure, sure. Let me start by uh, thanking Javelin for having us in your show. Uh, We really appreciate it and to, to have this chance to connect with your audience. Yes. So the Himalayan Film Festival is in, is, is in its fourth year, and it's going to be held at the Ninth Street Independent Film Center, Film uh, Center in 9th Street, San Francisco. So uh, basically, the purpose of this festival is to bring stories that provide a glimpse on the day-to-day life and the social-cultural aspect of the people in the Himalayan region. Uh, we we the intent of doing this festival is not only to bring the story together. Uh, we choose to bring like stories that have the power to p- bring people together, to inspire. And, of course, to promote the hard work of all the filmmakers in that region. And the big part of this um, is, job, as you mentioned, is the audience that we have there. We always have like special guests coming in who have an invested interest in that region and who are always uh, willing to lend a hand in, in time to me. So we're very appreciative of that um, uh, audience should, that we have. Um, so this year, we are going to show five feature documentaries. Um, the opening night is on the 13th at 6 p.m. Of course, food and drinks uh, will be provided. Um, the uh, opening movie is called Bhageli Bache or um, in English, like the Miracle Survivals and the Nepal Earthquake. So this movie focuses on, like you know, the uh, miraculous survival of people who were able to survive that earthquake on April 25th. Um, it's very interesting. It covers um, real interviews with the armed police force, as well as like you know, no- Nobel laureates and other real-life people. Um, and um, after this movie, we're also planning to have like a pa- panel where um, our youth uh, group who were very much involved in the relief effort uh, will share their stories about, uh, you know, what they went through, um, the challenges that they went through and, the uh, you know, the uh, success that they had in, uh, you know, helping people uh, uh, in the aftermath. So it's a very interesting movie um, documentary and not just a documentary, the conversation that's going to happen. And then on the second day, we are going to start the uh, festival at 12pm so this is going to be like a whole day event um, with four movies um, and the movies that we're going to be showing are the movies like Talking to the Air uh, by Sophia Pellberam and this is uh, this documentary shows the Tibetan Buddhist culture of Mustang where wealth is measured in horses and riding is as elemental as breathing so just imagine like life, you know, centuries-old traditions being, coming to, like, big screen in San Francisco. Um, I'm very excited about that document. Then documentary, then we have other movies, uh, such as Castaway Man, um, that, uh, you know, uh, features the life of a very, a very controversial uh, figure in Nepal, um, Udhar Bahadur Dista, who disappeared without any trace in 1996, and he is someone who wrote very um, several uh, impactful books in Nepal. Um, so that's there, and then we also have another documentary called Drawing the Tiger, which is an intimate portrayal of a um, of a girl who wins a scholarship to go to study in the capital city. It's very powerful, and it's 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 resonates so much with us because we have our own um, scholarship program in the homeland region so it just sort of like for us it gives a different perspective and of course for the audience it gives like food for thought and something to reflect upon
0: so and is is this the film that I saw a clip on uh, YouTube that came up is this the story of the girl who eventually commits suicide
2: that is unfortunate that that is true, yes. Unfortunately that happens and just it it, it captures that you know, it's so so um It's just a very emotional and such a good capture of that story.
0: And it also, as I was watching the uh, part of the film, it addresses that we sometimes in crisis need more than just resources, shoes, water, food. Those things are important. But education is important to decode the world in front of us and be able to put language to what our soul, our spirit is speaking. And it looks like uh, one of the understandings that came out of that from the organization was to realize that people uh, that are challenged globally also, uh, the, the education of their lives and and have access to education uh, is just as needed as uh, shoes warm clothing or shelter that we must find ways to Educate and honor all people. That's what I got out of the film. I think people are going to really enjoy that. Again, I want everyone to know you're listening to Cover to Cover, Javlin's Bistro. And we're talking about the Himalayan Film Festival. And I'm here uh, in the studio with Nisha Thapa. And then on the phone from work is Amisha. And they are both uh, founded the Himalayan Film Festival four years ago. And this is in uh, its... Six, no, six year four years ago.
2: Four
0: years. Yeah, and just so it's happening May 13th and 14th. And so, Amisha, you quit your job and you went there after the earthquake. What what happened for you when you arrived? And it's what went on your journey there, the anticipation of worry, et cetera? How, how did it shift your life, if at all? What did it do, and what did you witness? Uh
2: from Hello? Yes. Okay. Yeah, for me, it was a very, uh, you know, unanticipated um, experience. Um, I I quit my job uh, with the hopes to go and volunteer over there, um, as well as, you know, there were some personal things for myself that went, you know, I felt like I needed to go after all that happened. Um, so when I went there, um, you know, it's I was there like six months after the event and people had moved on. I mean, I was in the capital city, of course, and there it seemed that like people had moved on from what had happened and gone on with their daily lives. What really, really touched me was though, um, the uh, the youth movement that I was able to witness. There were like this youth group that we worked with called a Youth uh, Thinker Society, and Nisha will be able to speak more to that because she was there longer and she was very inst- uh, instrumental in forging this relationship with them. Um, and they were like six months down the line and still till the state, like, very invested in um, bringing hopes back to people' life, um, you know, working with the reconstruction efforts, building schools, and just, you know, engaging other youth in that process. And not, not only that, um, they were also very uh, proactive uh, and um, in trying to see, like, how we can help people make, be sustainable on their own versus just, um, you know, promoting, like, charity or people, making people dependable on others. So that's something that really, really touched me, and I think I came back with it. I mean, I wasn't there too long. Unfortunately, I was just for three months, but even that three months uh, on whatever time I spent with the schools, kids and volunteering was a very uh, big revelation for me. Uh, And again, Nisha would speak to this more was not only the earthquake, there was like this other challenge that the nation as a whole faced, which was the blockade, uh, which was the political blockade, which uh, was for a 120 days or more. And when I was there, that actually just started. So we, uh, we witnessed like the shortage of like, you know, fuel, of food and like our uh, reconstruct our projects were like stalled. But even even with all of that, people were resilient, people were still working towards it. And people were so hopeful. So that's something that I witnessed.
0: Beautiful. So we um, I want to thank you for being a part of this conversation. I'm going to turn my attention to Nisha, uh, and talk about the documentary that she's doing another half. I will see you at the Himalayan Film Festival. Thank you for your time and sharing, Amisha. And also again, I don't know, uh, did we give away the, t- uh, Okay, so we're opening the phone lines up for those who want to have one of the season passes for the festival, which is happening May thirteenth, fourteenth, five one zero eight four eight four four two five, and they can also go to you can also go to www.himalayamfilmfestival.com to get more information on each of the films. Thank you for being my guest, Amisha. Thank you so much, Amisha. All, right. all, right. all right, bye-bye. All right. I'll see you in the May. So now I'm going to turn my attention over to Nisha who's here with me in the studio and talk about what her experience, that she had the courage to document her life inside of this documentary that will be shown at the festival either day one or two and then uh, the the also the book that's going to be uh, the companion to that film of her writings. So Nisha, this documentary is a, your journey emotionally. What was that like for you even considering that, to share the earthquake that was inside of your being? And you're asking others to allow themselves to breathe inside or to see if they can connect to the earthquake that happens in our lives.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Uh, You know, when the day that earthquake happened, uh, even during the earthquake, I was meditating. And I could feel some catharsis, my own emotional stuff that was coming out Uh, and usually I go to bed around 10 but that day I was meditating you know just really crying and meditating and my friend texted me and said there was a big earthquake and I felt like I had just experienced my own inner earthquake and to know that an earthquake a devastating earthquake had occurred in Nepal it was just Shocking. I mean, we knew something like that would be expected because I've been working on the Disaster Preparedness Committee for the last six, seven years, but to really uh, see it happening as things were unfolding on television. And what we saw that, you know, at least the portrayal initially, that whole Kathmandu was under the rubble. The whole country was under the rubble. So... And you it's important
0: to mention that you're from Nepal, and your and your parents were there doing the earthquake. So that was the other motivating factor for you to go back there. Your family, your childhood, that's where you're from. Yes, yes. Okay. And so you you leave. You you are working uh, here in Oakland as a nurse practitioner and you take those did you take those skills over there is that was your intentions to you go do uh, medical support
1: no we didn't do medical camps uh, we what we did was really connected with the youth movement there that amisha talked about and really support the youth movement rather than coming in as saying i know it all and i'm going to save lives you know i was more there as an observer and also the community here was really kind and generous We had raised a pretty significant amount of money. And we wanted to make sure that every penny went uh, to people there, not as a handout, but really to empower, uh, work on not only just the structural rebuilding, but also the functional rebuilding. In
0: the documentary, you share some of your personal writing as well, some of the poetic um, stories that you tell. And photos, um, and not photos, but the filming of you being there. And you brought some of your um, poetic uh, stories here today. Uh, Share that with the
1: audience. Sure. Dance with me to our duets. Hear my inner voice. Listen to my unspoken words. Tune in to my restlessness. Tune in to my perpetual bliss.
0: And the second one.
1: I suffer, yes, I suffer. I'm recognizing my suffering rather than blaming everybody else. I suffer because I don't have patience to wait for stories to unfold. I suffer because I have limited interpretation of the others and the present moment. I suffer because I seek for love in others without knowing that I am the love that I've been waiting for. I suffer because I'm attached. I suffer because I'm afraid of the unknown. I suffer because I lose faith so fast. I suffer seeing other people suffer. I suffer looking at the wounds of others. I suffer because I escape the present moment, living between reoccurring past and the unknown, unmanifested future. I suffer because I think I can change others. I suffer because I think I can change the world.
0: Did you write this while you were there?
1: No, I actually wrote... uh, This piece that I just uh, wrote, this is probably a week or two before the earthquake. Talk to me,
0: uh, talk to us, share with us why you believe spiritually, intellectually, emotionally, that so much of what happens on the planet begins to happen within ourselves and and it's reactionary it's yin yang it's how lack of care of the planet disrespect dishonor what how, however we want to think about that tell me walk us through that for you what made you understand that and
1: you know, I've just never uh, written in the past. Um, I've always been sort of more in this linear thinking, you know, especially in my training as a clinician, you know, it's black and white, uh, and I'd never really, I mean, I've, Loved um, watching films and arts, but I was just never drawn into arts as a healing therapy. I thought, you know, a pill uh, or a clinical conversation would fix. And I was never really tuned into my own reality within me. You know, I just thought, okay, if I'm on the board of 10 different organizations, uh, I will be happy. Or if I have this, I'll be happy. If I have a perfect job, I'll be happy. But a lot of my mm, perception of the world was my, you know, not engaging to my own chaos within me. I was just so in my head, not connected to my body and spirit, even though, you know, I would preach people to take care of themselves. But I don't think I was really taking care of myself. I was just on this go, 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 trying to change the world, trying to fix the world, but not really tuning into my own internal, uh, you know, earthquake within me that was just erupting every day, waiting to just burst.
0: And so it sounds like that, that the day of the physical earthquake, that alignment is why you were up, as you said, crying and meditating, and then it happened, and you immediately saw the connection. Right. right. When you left here and went there, what was it like being in the rubble, the aftermath, and then how did that? What was the what was the impact in the rubble inside of you? What was happening?
1: when i was there actually i was really in the present moment as alive as i could be despite the difficult physical circumstances despite sleeping outside for four or five days we were shaken by the tremors every two to three hours but i was so alive i was living every breath because here before the earthquake i was either living in the, you know, uh, the future that I thought would heal me or the past stories that I was holding on to. But I was just never in the present moment, even though, you know, I was meditating for hours and going to silence retreats. I was just so stuck up in the past or stuck, uh, you know, uh, stuck in the future. So being on the ground in the rubble, it just awakened me, It shook me and said, realize, you know, like, how am I living my life? So that was sort of the biggest realization. And even though you realize that, it's a constant uh, reminder for you to just breathe and say, I'm alive. You know, I'm alive because I'm sleeping outside. I'm alive because I'm watching this building that we've created for ourselves for safety, not to lean towards me. And I'm alive because I'm trying to find an open ground to breathe. I'm trying to find air to breathe. And even a bucket of water to take shower was a luxury so that itself was being alive
0: in your documentary you're walking through a lot of temples because nepal is known for its temples and now they've crumbled and there's a party where the temples where you talk about how you didn't want to go into temples as a child
1: right uh you know i my i grew up in a really uh well, my mother was more of a traditional Hindu, uh, you know, there were so much rituals that was thrown into me, rituals, when you're on your period, you can't go to temples, rituals, you know, you can't do this, there's just a thousand different rules. And, you know, the temples just, re- you know, and then also in um, some of the uh, older traditions, there is, you know, slaughtering of animals inside the temples. You know, you're pushed, you're touched, you know, you know, I've been touched inappropriately. You know, I'm sure a lot of young females were were inside the temples. So for me, temples was always this place that I hated being, you know. For me, it was more of an open air that I needed rather than temples. Yes, the, you know, the beauty itself is amazing, but that wasn't a place of worship or uh, a prayer for me.
0: There's also, the, the film is actually really beautiful, the images and the heartbreak. The heartbreak of witnessing and seeing people in the streets um, trying to rebuild their lives in many ways. What was the hardest part for you in making a video? Because you're actually breaking a lot of your own inner rules. You're telling your story, and that's something that from knowing you, from interviewing you, you're not comfortable with?
1: Yeah, you know, I think I've never really enjoyed living in Kathmandu. I was always trying to escape, and I escaped here when I was 18. So for me, going back home was this place that I always dreaded to, that I've always gone as a tourist, but never to really live there. So this earthquake really pushed me, and I lived there six months out of this year uh, as a local, you know, just uh, really connecting to every fear that I had as a young child uh, and really fighting that fear and Uh, saying you know I'm not that vulnerable little girl anymore that I was walking down the street uh, fearful of this or fearful of the own cultural uh, things that you're told uh, you know if you do this you'll go to hell or just this constant nagging around rites and rituals and God will say this so that was just nauseating to me but now since I'm more comfortable walking in my own being and I could fight that I could fight uh, With the priest or I could say you know no priest you're wrong You know don't you don't I am not forced to sit and chant these mantras that you tell me I'm just going to be myself and breathe and I'm not going to go to hell for coming inside the temple for not coming inside the temple
0: Mmm you're listening to Nisha, and she's sharing uh, part of her documentary, the content and the reason behind that. And uh, we talked a few minutes ago about the Himalayan Film Festival. She's a part of uh, her, and Amisha created this. This in the fourth year, so remember, if you would like to get a season pass, call 510-848-4425. And you're listening to Cover to Cover, Javlin's Bistro here. Here, oh, I just found out from the engineer, all the tickets are gone. So good good for those who got the tickets, and I'll see you at the film festival. Do um, remember to come up and say hello to me, and I'm going to ask Nisha to read another one of her poems from this documentary, from the book that will be coming out, uh, that you'll see a part of this here unfold uh, at the uh, Himalayan Film Festival, her documentary. I'm not sure if it's going to play opening night or the last night, but what you actually be able to experience is someone who left, came to America, America, worked in America, left here and went back home after the earthquake, realizing that she had an earthquake from her own life journey growing up that was about to erupt or had erupt the day of the earthquake. Nisha.
1: If I was light as a feather, how high would I soar, not being affected by gravity of people's opinion and behavior? I've become a feather in one second and a stone in another. I feel connected, and then I constrict myself, nested cocoon of fear and endless desires. I practice to lighten up again with each breath. I expand again. Clarity dawns upon me. I lose it again, and I fight for survival.
0: Absolutely. I love the image of light as a feather and heavy as a stone in the next moment. I think we can all connect to that. So let's go back to the festival. Is there anything that uh, we didn't cover or a part of it that you could share? Tell us more about the youth. There are they, going to be a panel discussion. What's going on for that?
1: Yeah, so we've been really fortunate. Uh, so the youth that we've worked with uh, uh, on the ground, they'll actually be here. Uh, at the film festival, uh, and well, is this their first journey to America? Yes, yes.
0: Oh, so they're coming out because it's still pretty intense over there.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Oh my gosh
1: how yeah. wonderful is that yeah so we're really excited to have them because i've seen Kathmandu through their lens and you know because i'm so new to Kathmandu, and i asked them for every little directions but now it's going to be my home here <laughs> and now i'm going to show them around oh my <laughs> and it must be
0: noted you call this is home to you
1: yes this is home
0: this is home to you yeah. so they'll now will they be there both nights
1: Yes, they'll be there both nights, and they're just amazing speakers, uh, and more, really spiritual, really deep. Uh, and they're, you know, one is an environmental uh, engineer who worked on a prototype of hybrid car, and the other one is an environmental lawyer. He's also a poet, um, and he's a good friend of mine. So it'll be good to really see them.
0: Absolutely, and uh, also too, the we uh, another person that's important with your documentary, is the flutist.
1: Yes, Manos, yes.
0: Yeah, so what part is he playing? He actually went over there. Where is he from?
1: Uh, he's from uh, Kathmandu. Um, so we did a bunch of work together empowering the youths, and he's an amazing flutist, uh, yes.
0: So, and he's doing the music for the documentary. Yes, yes. Okay. And so, one of the things I think is important to know for those who add tickets or those who would like to come, they can go to the website. Could you give that information out?
1: Yes. So the website is www. dot com. And I also wanted to really thank Justin Barker and Kendra Capiz, who actually started the film festival. And Justin is, uh, you know, has been so kind and generous and worked on. Uh, film festival every year I think it's a little busy so he can make it at the interview Mm, but really uh, the film festival would not have happened without Justin and Kendra and also Sapna Sakyo who's from CAM, Center for Asian American Media she's our mentor and guide and also CAM uh, Center for Asian American Media is a big sponsor so we're just really fortunate to have so many kind people connected to us
0: I want to thank you, Nisha, for being my guest. I want to uh, say thank you to Amisha, Erica, our uh, engineer today. Thank you so much, Javelin Richards, cover to cover, open book, Javelin's Bistro. Till next time. Jeremy Scahill is the war correspondent who wrote Blackwater and Dirty Wars, produced the film Dirty Wars, and is one of the three founding editors of the online investigative magazine The Intercept. Jeremy and Intercept staff have just published The Assassination Complex, a book of revelations about the U.S. government's hell-driven drone program and secret assassination policy. Jeremy will speak on Monday evening, May 9th at 7.30 p.m. at the First Congregational Church, 2345 Channing Way in Berkeley. This KPFA benefit is wheelchair-accessible. Tickets available at brownpapertickets.com and cherished indie bookshops. Don't hesitate. May 9th. Jeremy Scahill. He's important.
2: And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA.